Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back. George Norrie with you along with Mark Nelson, the psychic. Mark, who honed your skills? Did uh, did your father help you or did you do it on your own? What happened? Well, you know, it was about learning to listen to the voices. You know, am I, is it me or is it someone else? And so what I did is I... Uh, I used to watch John Edward, and I thought, all right, he doesn't seem too crazy. I think I could do what he does. Mm-hmm. And so, but what really got me going is I read one of his books, and then I read another one, um, and then I, I started to, what he and uh, another guy that I've gotten to know, John Holland, uh, a few other psychic mediums have all yep. talked about meditating. So what I did is I learned how to meditate, and I used to make it overly complicated, and then I realized, all I really need is a candle or just to pay attention to my own breathing. I would relax, learn to quiet my mind, because the idea is that if you're listening to everything that's happening in the room, your phone going off, you know, cars going by, TV on. Distractions everywhere. Everywhere. And so the idea is to learn how to take what I would call a seven-minute vacation. I would turn everything off, uh, learn to just calm down, slow down, and just to hear what was happening in my mind. And then at that point, um, I could then uh, start to hear uh, meaningful, get meaningful messages. So say when people call me on the phone, uh, I'll sit for 20 minutes before someone calls and I'll clear my head, uh, shift gears from doing everything that we all do on a regular basis to just listening for the voice that I needed to hear or or the, whoever it is in spirit that is showing up for my client or wherever I go. Because um, I also do paranormal investigating, which is kind of interesting. Um, I didn't know I could do that until I did it. You know, and it's just kind of one of those things. You, I, I found that um, this, this psychic ability, is it's like that old joke from Saturday Night Live uh, where Dan Aykroyd is talking about something and he says it's a floor wax and it's a dessert topping. <laughs> well, that's kind of what this is like. You know, it's like I can hear voices, okay, um, I figured out, I, I actually did a TV show where I was part of a cattle call for, you know, they brought in a couple hundred psychics. And I made it through one round after another until I finally uh, was one of the six psychics they put on the show. Aha. Uh-huh. It was for Fox TV. It was a pilot. And then uh, they brought me into places that I wouldn't normally be able to get into without having a production with me. And so it was there I realized, oh, I can... I can hear there there are people in spirit talking to me here. All right, and it's not that different than you know sitting having a client sit for me and having their mom show up or their dad or whoever it is. And so uh, these uh, people, when I would do an investigation, they would also step up and say hello, hey. And so I learned to to listen to them. Do you channel sometimes, Mark, or does the spirit sometimes? Enter your body like it did with Whoopi Goldberg in the movie Ghost? That is a very valid... You know, you know George, when I, I get experiences like that, when I'm in front of a couple hundred people at a time. It, it was really fun watching. I go back and watch that movie again and again. It's a great example because some people are yelling at me and uh, in spirit, and other people are like standing up close, and they're all trying to get my attention, and I'm trying to... Um, Okay, trying to respond how quick you know to the the one that is 
first in my face and the one that it seems to be the most urgent, I'll go with them. But that is very much, it feels like that. It looks like that at times where it's like, uh, all right, I've got hundreds of people. All right, you, you know, you're the one standing there. I can see this young man standing up and, you know, like I, I remember, uh, like I had, it was, again, one of the events in Arizona where this young boy stands up from the crowd and he's in spirit. And I'm saying there's a young boy over here. He's uh, wearing he's wearing a basketball uniform. He's saying that his his in his um, injury or his disease that they found they found that he was playing basketball. He tore up his knee, but in in the process of repairing his knee, they found out that he had a very bad form of cancer. But uh, he's showing me that he's wearing number 13. He says he's okay, and that was very validating to the mom. And so it, it's interesting how they show up and want them uh, want their loved ones to know that they're okay. Do you, would you say, Mark, that you specialize as a medium as opposed to being just a psychic? I kind of do both. In fact, uh, George, I, I uh, host a show called, uh, it's a podcast, Adventures in Health, where I work as a health intuitive. I, 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 I'm co-host on the show with a good friend of mine named Sean. But I, I'm pretty good at doing the health intuitive. I actually learned a lot about Edgar Casey through some wonderful people at the Logo Center in Scottsdale, Arizona. The okay. Wonderful, wonderful folks that, that started that. They introduced me to uh, what it means to be a health intuitive. And, but beyond that, though, I, I realized, okay, what usually happens is that someone's uh, loved ones will show up and say, I'm here. It's your, you know, this is your father, your whoever it is, your mom, your little brother, and then they'll also say, by the way, you should do this, this, and this. So I don't really feel like you have to have only one or the other. They tend to show up hand in hand uh, because these are people that loved you in life and they still love you when they're in spirit. When you when you do this work, and they come to you. Have they told you anything like, you know, the million dollars is stuffed in the mattress or anything like that? If I had, I wouldn't tell you. No, <laughs> Not that I'd go hunting for it. No, I wish they had. It appears that they want me to go and earn my own money, which is very disappointing, frankly. Um, I would love to have them tell me stuff that uh, would lead to the a proverbial lottery ticket. Right, it's under the floorboard or something. Yeah, yeah. The grandpa was a bank robber. He left the money. If you go back to the farmhouse and you go to the the back bedroom and move the sofa, you know, no. I wish it was like that. I wish it was that easy. Do you get uh, communications from people who have passed on, who give you clues that you have to pass on to law enforcement, for example? That has actually occurred. I worked with. Um, it was the Justice Department in Northern California where they said that you know, there's a missing person and we're looking for bones in like this large area. And I was able to point, you know, sometimes I see movies is what it looks like. And so I was able to say there's a red pipe, and this actually happened. There's a red pipe sticking out of the ground in this part of the park. And, there, and I described it, and the guy who was with a, a detective Went and they actually found bones, but they turned out to be like it was an animal carcass. But it was like, uh -huh. still, you found bones, just not the right bones. So they were looking for a little girl, which was very tragic, but um, there was that. I, I have actually uh, also had a chance to go to uh, 
um, locations where cold cases have have taken place, or or they're they're still trying to figure out what happened. Um, I had an opportunity to go with a TV show to a house that was supposedly connected to the Black Dahlia um, murder, which is a notorious murder that took place in 1947 in Los Angeles. Right. I, I went there. S- series of murders. Right? Yes, and it and from and it turned out that. Um, the guy who they think was responsible, his son became an LAPD detective who wrote a book called The Black Dahlia Avenger. Exactly. And so um, I went and I did a reading there, and then I actually had a chance to speak to that guy, and I said, before you tell me anything, this is what I'm getting about your father. Blank, blank, blank. There were, um, he killed numerous women. They occurred, it occurred here. He used drugs. Um, and that... Uh, he was responsible for this for, for a number of different killings, and that was supposed to be true. Uh, the guy agreed. He said, as much as I can tell you that what you're saying is accurate. So uh, dealt with that. Uh, we went to uh, a house, um, an area on Cielo Drive in Beverly Hills that was uh, adjacent to the property where the Sharon Tate murders took the, place. Oh, that's tragic. Yeah, that, what an area that is. Jeez. Oh, and there's a lot of death in that area. It's a very affluent, beautiful street. Um, but when I went up there, I, I heard this guy talking to me, and he said um, we had big plans. And so this is um, the Jay Sebring. Jay Sebring is saying I had big plans. Well, I was there with a, a production company, and they recorded me saying I had big plans. Um, and then they heard another voice also saying I had big plans. So that was pretty validating. Um, and that was Steve Hodell, the uh, former right. LAPD. Yeah, yeah and his father was a doctor. In fact, they brought me to the house, and they didn't tell I me mean, when I go to do something for a production company, they won't tell me in advance, all right, oh, this is what it is, just kind of you know, repeat I mean, there are some, I can't speak for all production companies, but I've been fortunate that, uh, to have worked with some that say, just go tell us what you get, and we're going to keep you in the dark until you show up. So I went to this one house. It's actually called the Jaws House. It's on Franklin Avenue in, like, kind of um, the east side of Hollywood. Okay. Near Highland in that, in yeah. that area? Yeah. Okay. It's right off of Franklin near Highland. You go a little east of it. And and it's a it looks like a Mayan temple, and I know that. But it's been called the Jaws House. If you look it up, it has another name named after the architect. But I went there, and I'm I'm standing there, and I see this guy. He looks like he's uh, dressed in period clothing, in spirit, and and he's a doctor, and he's basically you know telling me get lost, go away, you know, whatever you however you want to describe it. And and I go to the producer right away, and I said, oh, and I just, oh, you're a doctor. Okay, so I went to the producer right away, and I said, if there was, there was a doctor living in this house at the time of the murder, he was the one who killed her. Whoa. And, and they go, all right, that that kind of solves it, thanks. <laughs> it was just like, you know, and I wanted to... So, so they, they knew this, right? Yeah, they, they knew this without me knowing. Exactly. And the idea was, is like, I didn't want to have you know, some production assistant walk, talking around me. I didn't want him to, to give me any prompting. And so, I mean, I jumped up and raised my hand and went to them right away and said, this is what happened here. Are you a believer, Mark, in reincarnation? Oh, I absolutely am. Because 
And, and the reason, George, is like I, when people in the spirit talk to me, it's like, where are you? I was, again, I was raised Catholic. This is you're supposed to be in heaven or hell, and there isn't anywhere in between. Well, that isn't holding up for me anymore. And so um, I actually had a chance to interview this woman. Um, the, it was, uh, she wrote a book. Her name is Kathy Bird. Her, her book is The Boy Who Knew Too Much. And it's about her son having one interesting memory of after another of being a professional baseball player mm-hmm. in the 1930s. Uh, and as it turns out, her son, from what we can tell, uh, was the reincarnation of Lou Gehrig. And so it's a fascinating book, The Boy Who Knew Too Much. Um, and But that that's just one example. You know, I mean, I've, I've had a chance to um, talk to a number of people where these experiences of reincarnation come back again and again and there's too many you just can't write it off as like hey that was a good guess well it, it doesn't really hold water and then it's like I, I i used to when i was uh young i was even involved in campus crusade for christ and we were very much into being born again well my view of what that means has changed dramatically I now believe that it's, you know, we get to come back and, and figure things out. And that, I mean, it, we're, we're here. This is kind of like the, the lab. This is where we test things out. This is where we learn. That's why we come back. We come back to learn and to love. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern. And go to coasttocoastam.com for more.